I love what we're talking about today because it's a fun story in the Bible. It's entertaining. It's weird. Um, if you're not, if you're here and you're checking out Christianity or you're struggling with your faith, you, you might look at it and think of it as a kind of like a Twilight Zone episode because uh, it is. I, I go. Th- I'm going through the Book of Mark as as just myself as I'm going through the sermons. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to speak? Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go through every little story. There's a lot in there, packed in 16 chapters. Um, and, but I got to this story, and I said, I, I got to talk about this because what it, what the story talks about, what it represents, is more than just what is just going on in that story. It's talking about freedom from anything that you're have, you're, you're, you're in freedom from addiction, freedom from your past, freedom from the things that we struggle with, and. Uh, I, I, I love the idea that Jesus frees us, but how many of us, we know that, but sometimes we don't feel free? And the reason why is because, um, and we've said this a lot in this church, and everywhere I look, this is the th- same theme in, my, in, in the journey that I've had over the last 20-some-odd years, is that we live in a world that's set at war. And so you didn't, when you signed up for this Jesus thing, you didn't think it was going to be easy, did you? Like, if I say yes to Jesus, then everything's just smooth, right? It's just a, it's, it's a cruise ship on the way to heaven. You can see heaven way down there. And you're like, I'm relaxed. No, it's not. A, we say this a lot, too. It's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. Like, you didn't know you signed up for that. And and my the pastor who led me to the Lord, he, he, he warned me. He said, now, it, it, as funny as it sounds, he said, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. And I'm glad he did. I didn't, I didn't get, he didn't talk me out of it. The reason why he said that was because there's a battle that's going to be waging war against you right now. And you already know it. He goes, but you're going to know it even more. And he was right. And I, I appreciate that. He didn't, he personally didn't go, you know, if you say yes to Jesus right now, everything's going to be just smooth sailing right now. And, um, I think my human brain wishes that was the case. But we know we live in a, in a battle. So I want you to imagine this is a scenario that I just, popped in my head a few days ago, but I want you to imagine that a man, we'll call him Jim. Now, I know a Jim. It's not that Jim. It's not the Jim that you know. It's a made-up Jim. He, he's lost everything, okay? And I don't, you don't need to raise your hand if this represents you, but he, he had a wife. He had three children. He had a good-paying job. He had a 401k. Um, he was a little stressed out at work, and he, but he, and he loved to work out with his buddies. And But work, home life, the world, the way the world works, he was just getting stressed out. And so he went back to what he used to do. He drank a little when he was younger in college. And so he started drinking again. And little by little, he was get, he was becoming a person that he did not like. His wife did not recognize him. His kids did not recognize him. He, he, a buddy of his, because he used to deal with not only alcohol, but, but, but drugs. So this, this friend of his, it was meth. And he goes, I don't like meth, but, the guy said it would make me, it would cover, it would mask over the pain that I had that I caused myself, and he started doing that. So he became a shell of a man. He came home after getting addicted to all this, and he was not who he was when he, when he signed up to get married. When he got married, he was, and we all are like this, when we get married, we are the best version of ourselves. I mean, I even dressed up in a tux, right? I mean, that's how good of a husband I really am, because I was willing to get, you know, it was, a, it was a scary thing standing up here and, and going, this is like forever, right? And that wasn't, I'm glad I made that decision. But this guy, his wife left him, took the kids because he was very angry. All this alcohol that was in him caused him to get angry. And so the last that we see him, 
His, he's sitting at the bar alone, crying, weeping. He's lost. He's alone. He's a shell of his former self. And physically and spiritually, he's close to death. And the reality is, Jim knows it, but he's chained up by his decisions that he made. And, and I was thinking about this scenario, that this could be anyone's scenario. Maybe not meth or alcohol. It could be anything else. Okay? Um, and some of us, what does that guy need? I think Jim, he, some of us would say, I think Jim needs an intervention. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think he needs AA or he needs Celebrate Recovery. All those are great. All those work. But he needs even more than that. He ne- literally needs Jesus to show up in his life. And only Jesus can really set him free because he may choose to repent of all this stuff that he did, but maybe his wife won't trust him anymore. Maybe his kids won't trust him anymore. So he's still, at the end of the day, he may say yes to Jesus, but he's still going to be like, what do I have now? So he's going to need Jesus not only to heal him of these things of, in his life that he has chosen himself, but he needs more than just an intervention. He needs freedom. And so why am I talking about that? Because in the book of Mark, we come into a story of a guy who is a shell of his former self. I wish I knew his story, but when we find this guy... He is, he's an animal, okay? He is not, he's barely, the only reason he's human is because if I saw him, I'd be like, okay, he's human, he's got human, he's got skin, but he's more like, in this, I'm not trying to be funny in this sermon, I, I, sometimes I'm funny, uh, unintentionally, and the jokes will just roll out, but I'm not trying to be funny in this sermon because it's a sad story, but he's more like a werewolf than he is human, okay? And uh, the reason why is because the guy who is in the story is not really in control. There is some other entity, if you want to call it that, that's literally in control of him. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about something a little scary for some people. If you're watching online, you might go, oh, he's going to talk about demons. Okay, look, when I was first a Christian, I was involved in a church. It was a very good church, and we, we had a small, mini little revival going on, and, and a lot of people were filled with the Spirit of God, and we had people come in from the streets, here, a little bit here and there, one person here, two people there, three people there, that we realized something was going on with them. And I didn't know. I was just a teenager, and I was just like, oh, that guy's just acting weird. But we realized that the person came forward, like in the middle of the service, like running forward and disrupting the service and going, what is going on? I'm sitting over here somewhere going, uh, not in this building, but in the church I was, I was sitting over here and, and, and they were like praying over the guy. And by the time the service was over, the guy left completely different. Like his personality was different. Like, and, and someone had, I was like, I need some explanation here because I, the whole church thing at that time was a little weird. Okay. So if you think the church is weird, you're not the only one. Okay, I'm not the only one because I was sitting there going, what am I even seeing? But over the years, I have made a fact that just because something makes me uncomfortable and just because I, I've been to service, I'm like, I wish I had taken that day off because I hope that whatever he has is not catching. I was wrong, but you know what I mean? But all of a sudden, I realized that Jesus is a, he is a, he's a chain breaker who sets people free and if we allow him in, if we give him an inch, we'll never be the same again. Now, this doesn't mean we won't struggle, okay? But we will never, ever, ever, if we let him in, 
we will never, ever, ever get to the point where we say, my past really owns me. My sin controls me. I am drawn to this sin so much. And no, he sets us free. The only reason that we Christians have chains on them still is if you go grab those chains, and usually it's underground in a, in a, in a, in a grave, you got to dig and you got to grab those chains and you got to wrap them on your wrist yourself because God's not doing that. It's you, it's us who allow that. And so what we're doing today, it's a very simple title, but it's never the same again. I told Lydia to sing the old song from the 90s, never, I'll never be the same again. I mean, that brought me back to like week one of church when I first was a Christian. I think that was, that was sang that day. And uh, I, I, I don't want to minimize who God really is. I want to emphasize the fact that Jesus is that change agent. The Holy Spirit can fill your life and you don't have to allow those things to control you. The, way, the reason why we sin and that kind of, we're tempted, maybe the devil's in there and he's tempted, but most of the time it's us going, it's that old self that's creeping back. And it happens probably every single day, if not every day, where you, you have a choice to make. Am I going to live for Christ or am I going to live for myself? And a lot of times, myself included, we go our own way. But Jesus is here asking you, will you allow him even just an inch to get into your life so you can be set free? And I don't know, you're going to look at this story and go, well, I don't really deal with what he's dealing with. This should encourage you, go, I'm not that far gone. This guy is so far gone, like he tried to kill himself. And so you, if he can be set free, spoiler alert, you can be set free. If God can do in his life what he did, then we have no excuse, okay? Because I think most of us, compared to him, we're not supposed to compare each other to each other, but compared to this guy, we're doing great. Just saying, okay? Um, Mark chapter 5. We've been in Mark for a few weeks. Well, this is week 9. I hope that you gain something from this. I hope that you gain something from being in the book of Mark. And at the beginning of this year, I said, I just want to get to know Jesus even more than I do right now already. And where do I find that? Let's just find, let's go right to the Gospels. And then I thought to myself, let's see, what's, Joel, what's your favorite Gospel? Book of Mark. Okay, I'll do that. And so Mark chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Does anybody remember the story that we just talked about last week? The storm. Remember Jesus asleep on the boat? This is literally right afterwards. So what I want to say is this is literally, I would believe, it's a sequel to last week's story. It's another storm. Okay, the rain is stopped, the waves is stopped, but when Jesus gets off this, the, the sea, he steps foot onto the ground in this other region. It's, it's a Gentile region. It's non-Jew. It's, it's, for Jewish people, it's a, it's unclean. It's dirty. It's yucky. These are not Jewish people. And he steps foot in this thing, in this place, and he enters another storm. It's another storm going on. It's another battle. It's tribulation. It's trials. So look at verse 1 and 2. So they, Jesus and his disciples, arrived at the other side of the lake. <laughs> Remember, he just had calmed a storm. So I'm sure the disciples are like, it doesn't really mention, they don't say a word. I wouldn't either. And so he goes, they go into the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit, literally it means unclean spirit. So your translation might say unclean spirit, demonic spirit. But in this one, just possessed by an evil spirit. He came out from the tombs to meet him. So where has he been? Where, where has he been? 
the tombs. Yeah, this, ain't, this, is, this is a weird guy. Okay, already from the very first moment we are introduced to this guy, we understand that there is, he's not, is he okay? No. Who hangs out in the tombs? Okay. If you're visiting a person that you, that has passed on and you go to their grave, absolutely. But we find out something a little bit weird about this guy. And, uh, but in this, in the book of Mark, we, we understand a few things about Jesus. He's a good teacher. He is a healer. We've talked about those. He does great stories. Um, we won't get to it yet, but he is a, he, he, we will later. He is a provider. He, he fed this big, huge crowd of 5,000 plus about 10,000 other people. So about 15 to 20,000 people he fed. He's a provider. He's a healer. He's a savior. All these things. And he also cast out demons. Every single time, this is important. Every single time that he runs in contact with a demon, they must bow to him. They must submit their authority to him. They know who's in charge. So for those of us who are tuned out because we're talking about demons, I want you to understand something. Jesus, we said this last week, Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in control of your life. When you feel your weakest, when you feel like everything's out of control, and you feel like, you, you, it's like, it's like your hand just grabs, tries to grab something, all you grab is sand, it just goes through your fingers. Even when your life is like that, Jesus is still in control. And so, uh, the thing about demons you need to know, they might, they will fight, but they will always obey Jesus at all times. Now, I chose this story because it's a fun story. Can I, can I be honest why I chose it? Because I, I would like to preach it. I've never actually heard someone preach it in my life. Um, but I said, man, that'd be a fun one to preach. And not more than that, it's actually absolutely life-changing because I want to, I want myself, just, just me, and maybe if you want to come along, I want us to allow God room in our life just enough, and if you're, go, if, you're, if you're willing, open your entire life to him and watch the river flow in your, like, let the dam, let, break the dam that's in there and let the water burst into you. But even if that's, you're not ready for that, even if you just give him an inch, a little bit, you will change your life. And I want Jesus to change my life. Why? Because not only for me, but for my family, for you guys, and it gives me a story to tell for everybody else because you have a testimony. And you, this is a cliche, but I love this cliche. You can't have a testimony without a test, right? The, the word is right in there. We want the testimony without going through a bad time, right? We want to be able to say, well, I've never dealt with anything. And that's, Lord, that's my testimony, right? Right? No. If you're going through a test of some kind, if you're going through a storm, at the end of that thing, that event or that person that you can't stand is still there. If you get through it with Jesus' help, you will have an absolute powerful testimony that will change the people's lives around you. And you do have a story. You have a testimony. And this guy, boy, I want to be honest, they all written him off. These people know him. These pig farmers. That's a spoiler alert too. That might have reminded you of the story. These pigs. Anybody know what the pigs have to do in the story? I like that part of the story. I, I, it's still, I'm not quitting bacon or, or, or ham. I will eat all of it. I don't care. 
But it's a funny story. And so uh, one thing about this story about, about demons is that many people avoid this topic because it is weird. And it is uncomfortable. And here's getting into it. Pastor world for just a second. Pastors don't like things out of the ordinary. You know, we've had people get, get come here and we, we, we don't know who they are. We want to have guests. We want to be inviting. We want, we want to say, we, 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 Jesus has something to offer you. Come on in. We want that. But once in a blue moon, we'll have someone that will just say something out loud. And I'm like, uh-oh. What do, I, what do I do now? Hold on. Let's go to the pastor's handbook. Hold on. You're like, that's the Bible. I mean, I know that, but I'm talking about the pastor's handbook. How to. One, two, three. Okay. Uh, and you're like, oh, I don't have it. I left it in college. I left it in my dorm room. But in, what do we, so pastors do not like to get things out and they don't like to be uncomfortable. We like to just, we like to know what we're doing, at least pretend. But demons, even talking about it has a tendency to go, uh, I understand that someone's going to be watching this going, see, this is why I don't believe because you guys are all crazy. Maybe. But you know what? We also know, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, is it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Those are demons. We're fighting against the mighty powers in this dark world, and we're fighting against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because that's a fact... Because there's a fact that you are fighting battles, put on every piece of God's armor. And you're like, well, what is that? We're, this is not for that sermon. We're gonna, you can talk about that some other time after this, what those armor pieces are. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Okay, listen. You, you, all of you, not... God through you. No, you will be able to resist the enemy. Why is that? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Guess what? You have the authority over those devils in your life. You do. You say, in the name of Jesus, you get out and they'll fight you. They'll battle you. Maybe you're not. Listen, this might, this is weird. I don't believe Christians can be demon possessed. I think that they can bug you and, and tempt you and do all that kind of stuff. They can definitely try to destroy you. But you have every right to say, you know what? I stand against the enemy in my marriage, in my life, in my thought life, in anything. In my life. I stand against the enemy and I, I'm battling him. And you, it says you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, after the storm, after the tribulation and trial, after it, you will still be what? Standing firm. The wind's blowing. We used to do that when we used to go to the ocean when I was a kid. And one time I brought my friend with me who was a little bit more daring than me. And there was a huge windstorm. And in Westport, there's these big rocks that's trying to keep the water away from the town. And it works most of the time, but there's times where the water goes over. And my friend Nathan, he said, hey, want to go stay on top of those rocks? I said, no. He is really daring. He also had broken ankles and broken feet and broken hands broken everything because he's just like that and we would stand we'd climb those rocks and they're probably I, I i'm i don't know what they are they're not as tall as this building but they're pretty tall i mean tall enough to stop the water most of them but the water's going over and we're standing like this and and i'm sitting there like and the wind's blowing and i i'm like looking behind me i hope i don't fall but see 
I, when I was reading this, I'm thinking, I want to go through a battle where there's a storm blowing where I'm not even, I'm like this, but there's nothing, I'm not, I am not being blown like to and fro. I mean, I'm still standing firm because you, when you fight a battle, you're not fighting the battle alone and you're filled with God's Holy Spirit that we can fight these battles. You're like, you're telling me that I'm demon possessed. No. No, I'm telling you, because we're talking about demons, if somebody might say that. No, what I'm saying is that you go through struggles, that you're not fighting these alone, that God will set you free. And at the end of this whole battle that you're going through, you will be standing firm, even through the battle. And so uh, I got to say something, though, about this verse. This is going to change somebody. This is you, We need to change our energy to what we focus on. Because our battle is not against our spouse. Our battle is not against our job. Our battle is not against our wallet, like wish we had more. Our battle is not against the government. Our battle is not against Republicans and Democrats. It's not against the president. It's not against the Congress or Senate. It's not, you're like, how dare you? You know, we're like that. No, 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 that's not the real battle. Those are All those things could be symptoms of a bigger battle going on. Those battles are not against those human things that we blame. We blame our spouse. We blame our kids. We blame our job. We blame our lack of money. We blame our whatever. We blame our pastor. We blame the church building. We blame everything. The reality is there is a battle going on between you. Your joy is right here, your peace, your hope, and the devil comes by. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. You're like, I'm trying my best. And he's like, yep, exactly. I'm going to overtime. If you're not feeling some kind of battle, I'd be a little nervous. I, I, I say this a lot, but if, I'm, if there's not a current battle I'm going through, I'm a little nervous. Like, why is the devil ignoring me? Why is he ignoring me? And if you're here, you're battling something that you did not cause. If you're in a storm that you did not cause, some of our battles are because we did stupid stuff. Can we all agree with that? But those storms that you did not cause, they just showed up one day unannounced, uninvited. You didn't open the door. It's just there. I'd be like, I think I'm right in the middle of God's, in God's will, and I'm standing strong in the power of the Lord, and I'm doing that. And you need to believe that. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to allow Jesus to fight our battles. And if we do, we'll never be the same again. Now, this story in Mark chapter 5 is broke up in a few chunks here. So the second chunk of the story, we learned a little bit more about this demon-possessed man that runs into Jesus. Um, and I love these ideas, but i got to be honest with you. If you... How many of us, you maybe don't raise your hand, but how many of us, when you're reading the Bible, you try to get yourself in the story. You, in your mind, you plant yourself exactly where that story is taking place. I do. And this week, I read this a little bit different. What I mean is, I read this demon-possessed man, and I said to myself before I started reading it, Joel, this was a real-life human being. And look at what happened to him. And it made me really sad. Because I tried not to spoil the story, even though I already knew what was going to happen. I tried to read it as if I'd never read it before. And I was very, very, very sad for the man. Because unlike Jim, that guy who I talked about at the very beginning, who, he was a shell of his former self. This man, 
he is literally not himself. He has zero control. There is something about him that I don't know what he let that in. It's very sad. But look at the verse 3 in Mark chapter 5. This man, he lived in the burial caves. Okay, where did he live? The burial caves, the tombs. Like, you know something. If you're living in the people's graves, then you're not right in the head. You're not right. Things are not okay. Okay? Sometimes... I ask I have people all the time, hey, do you know any place of rent to rent? And I'm like, I'll try. There's not a lot of renting places around here right now. And I get all like flustered. Ah, like, are you, and, but nobody's asked me to go in some tomb or some grave. You have to be sick in the head because who lives with dead people? In, uh, it's just horrible, horrible people, lunatics, Okay. And he could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. I want to pause right here. This is not what it's trying to teach, but he ha- he was his own chain breaker. Okay? So the side note of this whole story is, who are you allowing to break your chains? I don't think this is the, the point of the story. He broke the chains because he's an animal. Because humans could, Chris probably could. <laughs> right? I mean, you could, right? Okay, I know you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not. I'd be like, it'd be purple, right? I'm like, I mean, you probably see guys like that trying to be, that would be me. You try to do stuff and you'd like turn purple and pass out. That would be me. But this guy can break chains, you know? And he's his own chain breaker. By the way, that's not a good thing to break your own chains. Jesus, ultimately, he could have gone to Jesus chained up and shackled up. And Jesus could have broke those chains physically and spiritually. But whoever, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he often was, wow, this is not okay. He snapped the chains from his wrists. He smashed the shackles that were on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills. What was he doing? Howling. Okay, this is why... I don't think he's that human anymore. He's more animal than he is human. Why is that? Who howls? I, I mean, I've seen enough werewolf things, werewolf mo- movies and Teen Wolf back in the 80s, right? Michael J. Fox. And, you know, he was Mr. Cool when he was the wolf. But when I see a werewolf, I've never had. But when, if I did, I wouldn't think he was cool. I think he would be scary, right? And But he, he he's howling and what? He's cutting himself with sharp stones. This, as, as much as I'm aware of in literature, this is the first time in history someone is recorded as, as cutting themselves. Because, uh, maybe not, but um, this is like over 2,000 years ago, and he's cutting himself. People cut themselves all the time. I've known people in my past who were cutting themselves. And I don't ever talk about this, but I remember asking this person because they were not a close friend, but they were, I mean, I grew up with them from elementary school up. I said, and I was a Christian. I was like, I really want to understand why people do that. They had cuts all over their wrists. I said, I'm not trying to be rude here, but why? Because I really want to know, like as a Christian future pastor, not a psychologist, but one, I want to have that kind of angle of psychology, almost like, why? And the person said, to be honest, I want any pain that's not that 
my whatever the pain, I can't remember what the pain was. All I can remember is the cutting. But I would rather have any other pain than what I'm dealing with right now. When this hurts, when my wrist is bleeding or hurting, either A, I'll die, because that's what he's trying to do, kill himself, or B, I'll forget about that pain. So, we don't talk about this in church often, but if you're watching this online or you're watching, and maybe not cutting yourself, but you're doing other things to calm your pain, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be relationships, it could be whatever, ice cream, whatever the case, whatever you're doing that's masking your pain and calming your pain a little bit, and it's not Jesus, we've got to get some help. We need more than intervention. I mean, to be honest, he needed intervention, but more than that, he needed a miracle. How many of us think he needed a miracle? I mean, he's not just going to AA one day and everything's fine. And there's nothing wrong with AA. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just there's a certain breaking point past. It's a, it's a place of no return. And this guy's there. He is either going to die or he's going to be healed. And no spoiler alert today. Yeah, I'm going to see what's going on. What's going on with this guy? We'll see. And uh, let's look at uh, verse 6 through 9. Because he's cutting himself He's, he's living in burial caves. He, how many of us think he's not okay? He's not okay. That's saying lightly. He's not okay. Okay? When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him. What did he do? He bowed low before him. With a shriek, which by the way, I've been to a service and I've seen this where they're shrieking and loud and like, like it's just a scary, scary thing. I've seen enough horror movies in my childhood, trust me, where when I saw this for real life, it is very scary. And this guy's yelling, he's screaming, he's shrieking, and he says, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Pause. By the way, when I practice it at home, I use like a, almost like a shrieking demon voice because that's how I work when I'm reading a story, okay? I want to experience what actually took place here. But another thing was, it's interesting. Pause here for a minute. Let's just take a look at that verse. There is something that is very odd about this verse that to me proves the story to be true. You want to know what it is? To me. Why did this guy know his name was Jesus, son of the most high God? How did he know that? How did he know that? You know why? Because the guy, the man, he's a shell of his former self. He is, it's not the man that's, to, that's doing this. It is the demons 100%. He's lost control. And how does he know Jesus, the son of the most high God? Because demons, they're, they're, they're liars, but they're not stupid. They know more than the average person because they know, they know spiritual things. Okay? So when this guy is at this cave breaking these chains, cutting himself and he goes, ooh, look, I see these demons are going, I see Jesus, the son of the most high God. See, demons they have to admit authority. They cannot, ultimately they might, they will fight but they can't go up to Jesus and go you can't have it. Now I've seen it where they do fight and battle 
they're like, nope, foaming at the mouth almost. And I kid you not, I promise you, I don't say this because I want to say something, but people are a little nervous about this. But those times when I've been at services where people were prayed over, the person that left coming in and it was a scary thing they were coming in, when they were coming out, they were a different person. I was like, like they came in as this grizzly bear and they left a teddy bear. I'm not joking. I mean, that's how it was. I go, and there's only one explanation. Jesus actually took over and he was actually in authority over the. But this guy, the demons, I beg you. Now, who's begging who? The demons begging Jesus. We talked about this last week with the storm. Jesus literally talked to water because he says, I am in control. You storm you're not in authority. You're not in control. I am. Second part of the story, the demon, he is not in control. This is, this might free someone. Those, when you're battling something, the devil's like uh, lying to you. He is powerful, but he's not all powerful. He's not in complete control. You who are filled with God's Holy Spirit, you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So if that's true, guess what? You can speak to those demons and you can say, out, they will fight. They will fight. And I, I, I'm not trying to be dr- overly dramatic, but there are times where I am struggling and the only thing I say is, you, you have no right, Satan, to, to, to fight me like this. You have no right with that. I give up that control. I, I, I denounce that control. I go against any agreement that I've made against, with the enemy. I've made, I, whatever unknowing, willingly, I get rid of that in Jesus' name. And I ask the Holy Spirit to flow through me and push that stupid demon out or whatever, or whatever, or the devil that's bugging me or lying to me. I get, and every single time that I've had those moments, it's not every day. Those moments I've been at the altar. Those moments I've been in my car, those moments I've been at home, the freedom of Christ came over me in powerful ways. And I'm not just making that up to have a good preaching point. See, the most sad point of the part of this whole story comes up in the next slide here. It says, for Jesus, he had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil, unclean spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is, what's his name? Legion. That's a cute little name, isn't it? No. Does anybody know what Legion means? Many. Literally, it's a Roman soldier amount that was 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers in one group. So why in the world would this demon, the, the head guy, the guy that's in charge and says, I'll take, a, I'll just, I'll take this from here, guys. Why would he say, my, our name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man? Because most scholars, and we can't literally prove this because it doesn't say, but most scholars think that there was about 5,000 demons, separate demons inside this guy. So no, he's not okay. I mean, for just a moment, even if you're watching online, for just a moment, imagine, because I believe this is true, this actually happened, but just for a moment, for any one of us who are a little skeptical of the story, imagine that this is, this is true. Just for a moment, for a second, just go with the story here. This guy is not okay. It is, he's too far gone, right? 
You don't just wake up one day and go, yeah, I've got about six, five to 6,000 demons in me. I'm, I'm doing okay. No, he is not in control. He is a shell of his former self. He needs more than just AA. He needs more than intervention. He needs a miracle, and he needs it right now because he's trying to kill himself. See, the moment that the demons saw Jesus, they bowed low before him because when, when they see Jesus, they recognize Jesus' authority. You know, I got kind of convicted in my life because here a demon is bowing before Jesus and some Christians, maybe even myself, we have a hard time bowing to his authority. We kind of hold on to the, a little bit of the authority. And I was kind of convicted. I, I said, God, please allow me the grace to serve you with 100%. I want to, I want to bow my life before you because this demon man he 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 has to it's like it's it's like he has to he might not want to but he has to because he recognizes authority and and I look at that and I go this guy's not okay these demons they know the truth and he's not okay he needs a miracle let's continue the story verse 10 it says this then the evil spirits plural begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place Okay, the literal word for distant place is abyss. The unend- it's like the bottomless pit. Okay, because he knows where he's going. He's going into the lake of fire. Or another way of saying that is the bottomless pit, the abyss. He knows where he's going. Don't send me there. I don't want, I know what my future is. He says, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. When I was a younger Christian, this is why I like this story because I wanted to be a little entertained while I was reading a serious study. And, you know, send us into Porky Pig. No, he didn't say that. But send us into those pigs, the spirits beg. Let us enter them. Now, that's weird. But Jesus, so Jesus gave them what? Permission. Interesting. If you want to read a little bit more about the fact that the devil or demons need God's permission to do anything, read the book of Job, okay? They, they, Satan can't just go, he can't just do that. He's got to have permission. That's, Job did nothing wrong. And the devil's like, what about that guy over there? Can I mess with him? And as crazy as the story sounds in the book of Job, God said, yeah, just don't kill him. See, what am I trying to say here? When I think about this, it sets me free, but for some of us, this might not help. But any storm or battle I'm going through right now, it is, A, God knows about it, B, God's allowed it in your life. Now, you can pray against battles, and sometimes they're going to go away like that. But sometimes you pray, and things, you're battling, you're, war, you're in a war. You've taken your first shot against the enemy, and it's, he's still, he's wounded, but he's still walking towards you. So what do you do? You don't give up. You keep battling. You keep warring. You keep worshiping. You keep praying. 
you keep your face in this book right here and you say, no, this is what the truth of God says. This is what God's word says. And we don't just sit back with our hands behind our back and I'm chained up. No, we are free, but we got a battle. We got a war. And so um, it says the evil spirits came out of the man and he entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down to the steep hillside into the lake. And what they do? They drown. Now, there's a whole underlying theme in this whole story, in this word unclean. There are three things going on that's unclean. The unclean spirits are, and they're in an unclean location. The, the region of the Gerasenes was a Gentile location. And the pigs, unfortunately, if you're Jewish, you can't have bacon. I mean, man, I'm glad I'm a Christian. I want to grab all that bacon, fried up. How many of us like crispy bacon? Yeah. How many likes turkey bacon? Yeah. Wrong. How many of us like vegetarian bacon, whatever that is? And I've even learned, even on Thanksgiving, that like here's a turkey, here's ham that's got a bunch of glaze on it. How many of us are ham people with glaze? Yeah. How many of us are turkey? Turkey's fine, but you can't eat it but more than once. It dries out. Ham, it's like, and I want that glaze. And now I'm really getting off track, but I can't help it. I can't help it. It's just one of those things. But, so, this is very odd. Why would Jesus, instead of sending these evil demons into the abyss where they need to go, why in these pigs? Well, for just a second, just think like a Jewish individual. Jesus is Jewish. He grew up Jewish. He has Jewish traditions. He has that Jewish faith. He has that. And when you look at, why not get rid of an evil, horrible, Jew, anti-Jewish enterprise and take these unclean, unclean spirits and put them in an unclean uh, animal and let those animals go down and fall to their death? And then there's another result of this whole thing because... There's these guys who are in charge of these pigs. Now, how many, hey, that was my job. Like, now I don't get paid. So what are you going to do? You're going you're to tell Jesus, get out of here. Get out of here. Even though this man who was evil right there yelling all the time, and now he's sane. But look at the, he, verse 14. The herdsmen fled to a nearby town and the surrounding countryside spread the news as they ran. People rushed down out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. How many of us believe that they knew who this guy was? He had a, he had, he had a story. He's that guy who you avoid, okay? He was, now, I'm not kidding when I read this. This really impacts my life, what this is going on here. We don't know how long he's been dealing with this, but I like to assume he'd been dealing with it for at least 10 years. This is, he's not just woke up one day with 6,000 demons just showing up. Okay. But he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Now, another, a, a point that Mark never illustrated at the very beginning of the story that, that Luke does, the guy ran around the caves naked. So this is that crazy guy who doesn't wear clothes, forgot his robe at home. And he's running around naked, foaming at the mouth, yelling, screeching, uh, uh, howling at the moon. He's doing all this stuff. Now he's sitting there, what? 
for the first time ever, maybe in years, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. They used to be afraid of the man. Now who are they afraid of? Jesus. Why? Because this happened right before this too, when they were in the storm. When Jesus calmed the storm, what did it say about the disciples? They were all afraid. Why would they be afraid of that? Because they realize how powerful Jesus really is. He is so powerful that things change, that he's in control. And they realize, I'm no longer really in control. Jesus is in control. But they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened, they told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crown began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. See, those of us who have been impacted by Jesus, you should be celebrating this story. If you've been impacted by Jesus just a little bit, you should be celebrating this story because this, as extreme as it goes, this is a very extreme. How many of us have experienced the same story in your life ever? Probably not. So it's easy to skip over and go, ah, no. But we've all been chained by something. And the moment that God frees you, you should look at this and go, I am reminded of where I came from and where I've been and where I'm going. I am free. It kind of reminds me of that old song that Lydia almost sang. But uh, look what the Lord has done. Remember that? Look what the Lord has done. We used to dance and jump and up and down and say, it's kind of cheesy, but um, he healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. We used to go like that. I mean, we were really Pentecostal, you guys. See, people, man, you guys are Pentecostal. Listen, you have not seen it. <laughs> I used to go and jump up and down during the worship, you know. You see nothing. But why do people do that? Listen, if you are watching online, are you here and you're going, Pentecostals are cuckoo? Listen, here's the reason why. It's because they know they've been set free by God. You can't help it. I mean, oh, look at what the Lord has done. Now I'm grumpy. Look at what the Lord has done. I don't want to do anything. No, 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 you can't make me. No, when you're set free, you should be, I mean, I'm not a dancer. And that should be obvious. We should be, we should be jumping with joy. Why? Because of this. This guy who was chained, metaphorically speaking, he was not physically chained because he broke them. He was metaphorically chained, I, I'm guessing this, but at least 10 years, maybe more. I don't know. But now all of a sudden, when he comes in contact with Jesus Christ, what is he? He's fully clothed. That's a good thing, by the way. Like if someone comes in your buck naked, I'm sorry, but I'm going to offer them my shirt. Put that around your waist, please. You know, then you can come in. But the, and perfectly sane. Now the crowd doesn't want to hear it. He's a, I don't care what you're going through right now. That sounds horrible. But if you're going through something so bad right now, my God is still alive. He's still a chain breaker. He's still healer. He is still redeemer. He is still mighty. And we're sitting there sometimes. I know I do. It's like, Oh, yeah, he healed me. He touched my mind. You know, uh, he actually has healed my heart. He's healed all this. And yeah, that's good. But I want to go back to the very beginning in my relationship with God when I was actually really impacted by God and I didn't care what people thought. The moment I had that idea in my mind that 
I ain't here to, ple- to make everybody look at Joel and say, Joel is such a sane individual. That should be obvious. <laughs> I just want God to be pleased. And if people don't like that, that might seem rude. But in a relationship with God type of thing, you will be set free so much that you'll be able to not... This guy, I love... By the way, I love the ending of this story. And we'll get there right, right now. Because this man is healed and whole. Now what? Thanks, Jesus. I'll see you later. I'm going back to the cave. No. Give me my chains. I want to get chained again. Come on, Jesus. No. Verse 18 through 20, and this will be the end of the story. It says this. As Jesus, this seems weird. I'll admit this entire story is weird. But as Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon, who had been demon possessed, past tense, I love it. You're like, Joel, you getting excited about that? Absolutely. He's no longer has, he's filled, now he had been. And he begged him to go with Jesus. Jesus, please. How many of us would ask, if you're healed like that, you would beg Jesus to, and wouldn't you assume that Jesus would say, come along? What does Jesus say? Eh, nope. Really? You don't want me to be your disciple? Not physically. Nope. Why? He, the demon possessed man, he, he, but Jesus said, no. Go home to your family. Why is that? Boy, don't miss this point of this, of this story. By the way, the women talked about this on Wednesday night, and that's not a, that is not, we were not, we were not on the same page. That's just a high, that's a very, very good coincidence. That's two weeks in a row, by the way. Why did Jesus not tell him to follow him? Because he had a story to tell that nobody could deny. You can't say, yeah, but, oh, you stop, you stop meth. Oh, you, oh, oh, you must have ran out of money. Oh, those friends must have left. No, you're like, no, God set me free. Oh, no, 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 nah. And they make excuses to why you're better. Not God. It's, well, you ran out of time. You don't have the energy anymore. You're older than you used to be. You're not running around with those women all the time because you're younger, or you were younger, then now you're older. And no, no, God set me free. He has a story to tell. So go home to your family, tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been to me. Why? Because Jesus, every right, could have gone like this. And killed the guy. Like what he's carrying in him has these evil, unclean spirits. He needed to get, that guy, in a physical sense, he was dangerous. Get him out of there. So the man, he started off to go visit the 10 towns of that region. And what did he do? He began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. He's an evangelist. Guess who else is an evangelist? Okay? And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, I get a little skeptical of that because people would be like, oh, sure, sure, Pastor Joel. Like, I start thinking about the, the reactions that people might do if I talk, start telling them about what God has done. But the man standing right in front of them, and Jesus really literally changed him, they can't deny it. He, he's, you're wearing a shirt today. Perfect. Wow, that's nice. That's a good start. You're not foaming at the mouth. You're not howling at the moon. You're talking. See... 
God changes you, now what? Tell them everything that the Lord has done. This kind of reminds me of the song, This is my story. This is my song, right? That's, that's old school. I love that. This is my story. What is? This is how I was. I gave God permission. I gave him an ounce of my life. I gave him just a little bit, and he flooded in. He changed my life, and here I am now. That's my now what? Not, wow, Jesus, you changed me. Now I'm just going to do nothing. Yawn. Ugh. I don't want to pre- I don't, I don't want to testify. Everyone wants a testimony, we just don't want to test. <clears throat> I mean, look at what the Lord has done. He's your chain breaker. He's your healer. He is your captain and you're going through battle and he you're like I don't feel like I'm armed. Hold on. Give me my Here it is. Okay, I'm I'm ready. You're ready to battle. Then what? You allow Jesus to fight that battle and you go, now look. Listen, you don't have to be Mr. or Mrs. Extrovert to, to tell someone about Jesus. You don't. You can tell one person. I can tell Chris right now and it would be easy. Look what the Lord has done. Let's arm wrestle. No. <laughs> I, I lose. I cry uncle. Hold on for <laughs> Let's take a moment and just invite the Spirit to do what needs to be done in our life. Because if you're here, listen, if you're here and you don't think you have a story, maybe you're, you feel the same as you were yesterday, and the story's not over yet. God is still writing your story. Today is the day that he wants to set you free. Holy Spirit, fill us up to overflowing. God, this ain't a weird thing. This is a powerful thing. This is a mighty thing. I pray that the, 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 the power, the anointing, the, 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 the wind of the Holy Spirit would fill us up to overflowing and that we would truly never, ever, ever be the same again because someone will be able to look at us. They'll be able to hear us talk. They'll be able to see how we react to things. They'll, be, they'll look at how we treat other people. They'll see how we treat people we don't like. They'll, they'll see us forgive people. And they'll go, look what happened to you. What happened? You can say, look at what the Lord has done. So, Lord, Help us to live that out. And if we're here, Lord, and you have set us free, you've given us a testimony, you've given us a story to tell, and this is my story, this is my song, and I am proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ because the people around us, they can experience the exact same Jesus that we have, and they never have to be the same again. In Jesus' name, I love you, Lord God. I pray that there would be a bunch of testimonies in the coming weeks. I pray that you would heal us, make us whole, just like this man who was from nothing, from a shell to a man, to a whole person who became an evangelist all in one day. And you can do it again, Lord God. We give you permission in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have small group on Wednesday night, seven o'clock, men and women. Someone for, we, I, I forgot our, our goodies in the kitchen and I left them open so I couldn't eat them. That was bad. Because I was all excited for a second. There's still goodies in the kitchen. But I forgot the brownies. I'm sorry. I probably could have eaten anyway. Yes, ma'am.
faced battle, and the whole family did. Uh, two weeks ago, she was in church, and she kind of was acting a little different. So one of the nice ladies said, hey, we need to call.